This is Linux Unplugged, episode 35 for April 8th, 2014. Welcome to Linux Unplugged, your weekly Linux talk show that's soaring all of the wrong places, but still pouring out one for good old XP. My name is Chris. My name is Matt. Hey, Matt. So here we are. It is XP Doomsday. And to celebrate this very special event, I've asked Chase to join us. Hey, Chase. Hey, guys. Hey, How buddy. are you? Hey. Pretty good. So uh, guess what? I had my first wing experience with Chase today. Yeah. Tell me where we went. I, I took, well, actually, Chris really took me. But yeah, that's true. I, I said, hey, Chris, we need to go to Buffalo Wild Wings in beautiful, beautiful North Marysville. And uh, we got three types of wings. Yes, right. We got the Parmesan <laughs> garlic. We got the uh, buffalo. Buffalo dry rub and the honey mustard. The buffalo dry rub was like mm. wings I'd never had before. Weren't they? The that's crispy, the best kind of dry rub. The crispy skin. And the flavor yeah. just hit you. Mm. Yeah, I and, love me some wings. Sounds yeah, like yeah. Oh, it was and it, great. it's Wing Tuesday, right? Yeah, it was Wing Tuesday, so all they had a great special. Right. Yeah. So we just got all loaded up on wings, and we thought we'd come in here and, uh, you know, I wanted to have a conversation with Chase because I think one of the biggest pools of switchers to Linux, and we're kind of using X- the death of XP as an excuse today to talk about this, but I think one of the, realistically, if we're being honest, people who are going to switch to Linux today you know, in the year 2014 and 2015, are likely going to often be the more technical users. People who are fascinated by technology and kind of want to take that to the next level. Okay. See what other technology enthusiasts could create, a la open source, right? And maybe even become a little more involved in the human side of software development by becoming exposed to open source. And I think that's going to be a huge pool of switchers. And that's not a, that's not a small group. There's a lot of Windows users out there who are very, very technically savvy. They are geeks. They are gamers. And guess what? Chase happens to run a podcast network called Geek Gamer. He fits that category. He's, he's an IT guy himself, but he is a Windows user primarily. Yep. And we're going to pick his brain today. And, like, get the honest, real-world answers, maybe why he hasn't been particularly motivated to switch to Linux. Because I think getting a little honest opinion on on maybe the barriers that are perceived and the actual barriers sure. that exist could help us break those down in the future and move more people over now that today is the end of XP. And I felt like... I felt like it would only be appropriate if we celebrated. So uh, what I'm going to do here is I'm just going to boot up my XP machine. Let me log in real quick because I, this is All a right. special moment. And I don't normally run XP in the studio, but... All right, I got the XP machine started. Now, Chase, you can see here I just downloaded a few... Oh, oh, oh let me clear that. No, Chris, quick. you need Uh-oh. to install... Oh, no, I, I have this... Oh, what am I... Oh, no! Uh-oh. I, I feel good. I feel good now. I, I think I, this is what was supposed to happen, right? That's right. This is... Clearly... <laughs> so goodbye to XP. Uh, we hated you. You were the bane of my existence. So many of my ass hairs were burned on solving Chris, your problem. Chris, when, when we went from 98 to the Fisher Price interface oh, of XP. Let's not say that. Yeah. So, no. you know, 
I it wasn't. To, it wasn't terrible. Oh. It wasn't bad when when it first came I, out. I I was the guy at a bank deploying a bunch of x86 servers, and the mainframe guys were sitting back laughing at me, like, "Look at your toy computers with their toy Fisher XP operating system." It was a point of <laughs> mockery that I had to endure for years. Yeah, but all you had to do was enable classic mode, and then you're ready to <laughs> yeah, rock. I know, right? Come on. I told them that. I told them that. But it, kill, kill the theme, and also make sure that you change your start button to stop. That's a very <laughs> important registry hack. I mean, very important registry. You know, hack. I'm a big PC gamer. And yeah. when, like, for example, when Vista first came out and everybody was like, you know, I'm going to move to Vista for gaming, I got better performance on XP. Yeah. I stayed with yeah. XP yeah. for a yeah. long period of time yeah. until Windows 7. Well, so, a lot of businesses stay with XP because the hardware requirements are lower. In well, fact, a, a lot of businesses still are. Actually, uh, there's a lot of yeah banks that are paying for XP support for their yeah. ATMs. Governments. Be- yeah, because mm-hmm. they're paying for that exclusive I know. premium support. This is so brilliant because Microsoft has basically made up this phony expiration date for bits that they can then put a phony bounty on that is a completely made-up price that they can just mm-hmm. charge people randomly for now. It's a brilliant scheme. But should they should they support it indefinitely, though? Why not? Why not? I mean, if you... I mean, no. I don't actually believe that. But as a thought experiment, let's say you had 50,000 employees and you were one of the largest software companies in the world and there were a billion users of your operating system. Let's entertain the idea of continuing to support it. I mean, why not? It keeps the world safer. Yeah. And, you know, the reason... But it only keeps them safer as long as those people are updating like they should, and they don't disregard updates. So you can find OS 2 still deployed in System 390 mainframes. OS 2 on a 386 still getting updates from IBM. Wow. So it's possible. That puts in perspective, yeah. It's possible. I don't know if you'd want to do it, but (laughs) I I say good riddance. Honestly, I am so glad it's out of here. I, I... XP as a support contractor has been the source of so many wasted hours. I lost so many clients' computers to Service Pack 3. It bricked machines. It was a security mm-hmm. nightmare. The security was boned from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, it, I think in, in a large way, it was just enough of an operating system to keep people on Windows for a long time. Yeah. But it introduced so many problems. And it, it got well, such a wide footprint now. I would even go so far as to say, it, literally, it was the Windows XP era that retired me from PC repair. Yeah, I, I literally was so done with yes, it. I actually, I yes. had a blood pressure issue because of it. It was I, so I bad. Feel, I feel the same way. I feel exactly the same way. I, it Sorry. really burned me out on PC repair. And then in the later years, after 7 had been out for a while, I was so frustrated that all of these people weren't switching to it that I was still supporting XP. That right. It is one of the major reasons I said, screw it. I'm done. For me, it has not been a good 10-year or 13-year run. Now, I understand no. that for a lot of people it has, but for me, it, it was a nightmare the entire time from the day that operating system shipped. But see, for me, I can't put 100% blame on the operating system. You know, part of me is you got to also place, place blame on the, the, I'm sorry to say, dumbass user yeah. who just says, yeah. all right, well, I'm just going to go to this eh, not really good website. Or, yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm going to keep gonna... using IE when I could put Firefox on this right. machine. Or, you know, or Chrome or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Or, 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 or Netscape or whatever. Picture.exe. That's my favorite. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. This, you know, let me open up this attachment <laughs> willy-nilly. Like, yeah. you know, right. mm-hmm. uh, there's not enough user responsibility when it comes to these things. Sure. I mean, people, e- even when an uh, operating system is secure say like you know osx or you know or you're typing in a password or authentication into mm-hmm. install a program mm-hmm. people yep. will still blindly say all right yeah yeah go 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 I, go I, I feel like it actually doesn't happen quite as much on operating systems that require a password like you're on today uh, you are on the uh, ubuntu 1404 yes for the first time yeah. this is a brand new release i got it loaded on my bonobo i'm getting ready for our big review on the linux action show 
Uh, what is your first impression just looking at the UI? Is it clean to you? Does it seem modern? What What are your first thoughts when you look well, at the, it? Well, there's there's pullaways from both Windows and Mac that I that I feel when I when yeah. I use it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but part of the issues that I have is some of the fam- familiarities, like for example. A fi- the menu bar, a menu right, bar, right? right? Right now I'm using XChat. Uh, I was also using Skype earlier. Yeah. How long did it take for us yeah. to find and there's, the stupid settings There's button? a particular bug because there's not a little app indicator for the up in the tray, which will probably be fixed soon since this is a beta, but right. yeah, that kind of but, stuff But, you know, happens. those are the kind of small intangibles where, you know, if I was making a transition from, from one thing to another, well, let me actually back this up a little bit. You know, making a transition, say, from a Windows world or from a Mac world to a Linux world, mm-hmm. one of my biggest roadblocks that I have is you have thousands, I don't know, thousands, but you have multiple flavors of Linux. Yeah. You have multiple ways of installing it. Has that been a barrier? Like, Or have a you always bit, kind of heard bit. the name Ubuntu and well, kind I've of heard, Of figured. course I've heard of Ubuntu. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've, I've actually messed around with a, a live distro probably a few years ago on an older laptop. Yeah. But it's one of those things where... What what do you go with? I mean, what's uh, what uh, one site that I used to go to quite often was Distro Watch. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that still yep. exists. Mm-hmm. Still exists. Sure. Uh, and I would just go and look at the list, and I go, all right, well, I'll just take whatever's at the top and just mess around with it. Yeah, yeah. And so you don't know what to go with. I mean, at least in in the Windows world, you you know what to go with. If you're in the OS X world, you know what you're going. I'm surprised with. it hasn't just sort of settled on Ubuntu for a lot of Windows switchers. It seems like that's sort of the narrative that's out there, but maybe it's because we're so... See, this is one of the reasons I wanted to have you on today, because I've been following it so long now, and I've been switched over for so long that I've kind of lost perspective on what it would be like to come to it from with fresh eyes. So to me, it seems like the obvious choice from the far outside is just Ubuntu, because that's the one you hear the most about. So you probably that'd be the one you want to use. Uh, so we're going to pick your brain about that. Yeah. But uh, why don't we first... Do a little follow-up, a little feedback, as we like to do here on the show from last week. That way we keep the continuity thread. We're not a syndicated Star Trek series here on the show. Well, it should be. <laughs> we have story arcs. Should actually. be, absolutely. Yeah, maybe, actually. <laughs> I'll be Worf. I'm putting that out there. I will, I will do Worf. All right, Worf, okay, Chase, Worf, who do you want to be? Oh, well, i got to be Data. Well, then, Ooh, all right. So, that's, so I either have to be, I guess I'm Riker because I have a beard. Yeah, yeah. do Riker. Riker yeah, works. Right. Can, can, can you do the Captain Morgan, please? Uh, you know what I could do is, you know what I have, you know what I have a little bit right here? Check this out. Oh, wait, I, I muted it. Because he pipes up too much. Computer, what happened? There we go. I got a little... Computer, what happened? Is that, is that from, like, season one or two when, when he was just more of the stupidish Picard? Where uh, maybe. I, that's what it sounds like. It sounds yeah. like from the early early seasons where yeah. he didn't know what to do. Yeah, I just was talking to a guy who's rewatching. Hey, hey, let's see what's out there. I was just talking to a guy who's rewatching TNG, and he's like, so is this show really preachy? I'm like, yeah, for the first couple seasons. Yeah. He's yeah. like, oh, okay. So it gets better? I'm like, yes. Yeah, the Roddenberry. It's very Roddenberry. Very yeah. Good. Yeah. Roddenberry. Don't hate on Roddenberry. No, no. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It. It. I'm a Deep Space Nine guy for a reason. So. All right. No, me so, too. By the way, I love DS9. Oh, DS9 is my favorite. <laughs> I love DS9. <laughs> Great minds. Oh, yeah. Hey, DS9 would not exist if it were not for TNG and the universe Fair. that they created. I know. And, and by the way, Fair, s- okay. side, side trivia. You know, the one guy outside the computer, Majel Brett Roddenberry. Yeah. Miles O'Brien on the most Star Trek episodes out of any of he, them. He's about out of yep. any of them. I would have liked to have seen him show up in Voyager once or twice. Agreed. Uh, Didn't he? All right. So last <laughs> week, uh, we talked a little bit about uh, uh, Mr. One Leo Laporte. Remember, uh, he he had a little... Uh, tech guy. He had a little... He had a few things to say about... Uh, 
about Linux. There's all the software you'd want. Is and he had good things to say, but he also had to say it's for people who like to mess with computers. Oh, that hurt a little bit. Oh. It hurt a little bit, and we got some feedback on that. Uh, we got a lot of feedback on that, but I didn't want to spend a lot of time dwelling on it because I think we said our piece, and I didn't really want to make it into this into a bashing thing. But I did. I wanted to uh, Ben Frank uh, like link. Oh, what is this? Ben Frank. Lynn Gates, Ben Franklin Gates, Ben Franklin Gates uh, wrote in. He there says, I agree, uh, I agree on how unfortunate it has been for someone in his position with experience would throw uh, down a blanket statement about Linux. But I've noticed something about Leo over the years. My theory uh, is that there are two Leo wait, Laportes. Wait, he's, he's cloned himself? <laughs> two Transporter <Leo> accident. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 wait. He's we, Thomas wait, Riker. Yeah, I was going to say, do we have the evil Riker? Yeah. Oh my, where's the real Riker? Yep. He's been stuck down there for a while and he's a little bitter. You're wearing the gold shirt. Yeah. I knew it. And my, and my, my beard knew actually it. peels off. Lieutenant Riker. <laughs> yeah. That was a great DS9 episode, that actually. That was so good. <laughs> that was so good. Oh, man. Uh, so, uh, so here's the two Leos. You have one who answers questions for noobs and plays t- the childish grandpa figure and articulates those sponsor commercials in his innocent golden voice. Then there's the real Leo, the real that mostly comes out on Twit. When he's among his peers, he speaks his mind critically and in general shows more of himself than he likes to let on, like when Dovorak's around to poke him. I think that Leo did not genuinely mean what he said when he discouraged Linux. He was just wearing his childish grandpa hat to explain how useful and compelling Linux is would have meant to break out of character. What do you think, Chase? What do you think, Matt? Go ahead, Matt. I agree. I actually agree with that. I think because looking back on what I said, I, saying that my statement was that he does know better and he does know better. So that actually, yeah, I can see that. Happening. Chase, are there two Leos? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, obviously, when he does his nationally syndicated show over the weekend, mm-hmm. he's appealing to the, dare I say, 55 plus audience. And I've noticed he even kind of sometimes speaks in a little bit of a southern twang. Yeah. You know, he's very mm-hmm. slow Frank Underwood. and deliberate mm-hmm. and he know he needs to convey a message. And also yeah. plug his network. Right? right, yeah. But, you know, that's the thing, though. He's on the air, and he's providing stupid support calls for people. Right. And, you know, it's true. <laughs> I think, yeah, yeah, he was assuming a little bit about his audience based on the demo. That these people are probably not smart enough for what I'm well, about to tell and, them. And if you're an advanced user, you're not going to be listening to his show anyway, well, for, the, for, yeah. for the most part. I Unless mean, you want to pull clips to make fun of him. <laughs> right, right. I mean, I'm not <laughs> You know, but, I mean, you're, you're not going to go to li- to listen to the tech guy on the weekend to learn no, about the no. latest tech news. No, but this, After Kim Commando. Yeah, exactly. This goes back to my point where I think the, the most potential for Linux switchers are people like yourself who are technically qualified to install a distribution who to download an ISO and burn it to a CD. But I would say this though, if I'm listening to a show casually over the weekend cuz I'm a tech fan, I'm you know, I listen to Leo, and I follow Leo for a while, and maybe sure. I'm considering Linux and then I hear statements from him about it, it could potentially make me go, you know, that's uh, what I was worried about. You know, I maybe yeah. I won't even bother. Now I know better, you know, I you know, I've learned and I have an open mind about things, but not a lot of people may have that yeah that's what i was worried about last week it was sort of that uh the drive-by impression for people who are looking at their options right now i agree they get grandpa leo's advice and they go ah you know what gonna do that chromebook instead or oh you know what i'm gonna do that windows 8 machine well you know the thing is you know a lot of people that probably don't even consider the chromebook or they consider other things like that they just stick to what they know they'll they'll stick to windows because that's what the majority of people know they're afraid and what leo does it doesn't encourage that openness right 
And that, that experimentation. A, and it's very, very scary. And it, not only that, then no one learns anything. And it keeps you listening because you've got to keep getting them tips. Right after these messages. Right. Uh, in <laughs> fact, why don't we take a break right here, just as Leo would do, because our next message is going to prove me wrong. I've been saying this for technical users. Our next email says it's not for technical users at all. It's better for brand new users. And he's got a compelling argument why. But first, let me tell you about my mobile phone provider. Yeah, Please. my mobile phone provider, Ting. Ting is mobile that makes sense. A no BS mobile service provider, no contracts, no early termination fee, and you only pay for what you use. This has been a lifesaver for me over the last few weeks as we've been working out of the studio. Having Ting, having to be able to just click a, or a tap, I should say, a button in my Android device and have Wi-Fi come on and know that I'm just paying for what I use because everything on Ting is pay for what you use. You turn on a hotspot, tethering, text messaging, Done. picture messaging, you just pay for what you use. They take your minutes, your messages, your megabytes. They add them all up at the end of the month. Whatever bucket you fall into, that's what you pay. Hmm. And it makes so much sense. And in fact, Chase, check this out. So I got the uh, Nexus 5, as you know, on the Ting network, right? I, yep. So I hit this Ting button, this yep. app right here Watching on my phone. You do that right and now. I could do the dashboard, too. I mean, they have a really, they, like the, the Ting dashboard. Like the web app? Or are you talking about the, yeah, the they, oh, yeah. So yeah. they have an awesome web app. Whoa, hi there. Check that out. Ooh, it's yeah. a video. I didn't know I had the music piped it's called, in. It's called a multimedia. Yeah. So they have the dashboard, but also right here on the phone, which I'm not showing on the screen, I have all of the same information available to me at the tap of a button. I can see, like, I've used 20 megabytes. Rekai has used zero megabytes for this billion period because so he's can always see, on Wi-Fi. Yeah, so you can always see which... Uh, which yeah, and when you have multiple when you have multiple devices, it's really easy. But even when you have one device, you want to track your usage. It's straightforward. It's very easy. I can see minutes, messages, megabytes. I can set alerts. I can activate, deactivate devices. Set up call forwarding for both devices, all from the mobile app or from the web standards app that they have on the web where you can even just like I've actually never even needed to call Ting I've always activated my phones through the Ting dashboard Wow! transferred phones through the Ting dashboard when Matt activated his Note 2 he did it through the Ting dashboard That's but right. the great thing is like if you ever got stuck you call them at 1-855-TING-FTW and an actual person answers the phone and I'll tell you something. I don't know if they want me to share this story or not, but we got an email from a viewer who was like, I, I wasn't in a position to get Ting, but I called them up and talked to their support reps about my options on another network and just like, they helped me pick the right phone for me because they were on disability and they had a very limited budget. Wow. And they were getting a government-sponsored phone and Ting helped them like through the process, even though they weren't going to get a sale at the end of the day. And this oh. is the thing about Ting is they're just an awesome company. And, and, and to that end, on their blog, they just put up a post, the top six reasons why students should never sign a cell phone contract. And this is something you really want to go through if you're a student. And by the way, if you are a student, Ting also has a promotional program for students that is awesome to get you a ton of free minutes and help if you help spread the word about Ting. So you want to read up on that. And if you're in a contract right now to help you get out of that contract, you can go to ting.com slash ETF. But do me a favor. Go to linux.ting.com. Linux.ting.com. is That lets them know you heard about it right here on this show. But it also will save you $25 off your first device. If you're going to bring your own device and they've got a BYOD page where you can find out what devices you can bring, lots of good Android devices, the iPhone 4, 4S, and the iPhone 5, you can also bring those over. If you bring your own device, they'll take $25 off your first month. For some folks like me, that means your first month is free. When you add up the ETF, the total savings over the life of your plan, because there's no contract here, so you just keep getting the value every single month by paying for what you use, and when you consider that $25 discount, it's an incredible deal. So go to Lin Linux.ting.com. That lets them know that you appreciate them keeping us on the air. And they have a savings calculator right there for you to plug in your current bill and see if maybe you could save a bunch of money. And start actually helping clean up the mobile industry. Because at the end of the day, what Ting is doing is providing genuine 
valid competition that the duopoly that runs the mobile industry in the U.S. so far has not had to answer to. And finally, finally, somebody is challenging them, making them clean up the way they do business, forcing them to provide everyone better service, forcing them to expand their networks. And you can help be part of that by going to linux.ting.com, sign up for Ting, and forcing the hands of that duopoly to treat everyone a little bit better. And a big thank you to Ting for sponsoring Linux Unplugged. Linux.ting.com. I've said I it before. You know, I, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. You know, once I'm out of my freaking contract, and I know we're gonna have it, a party. Yeah, I, I'm. Yeah, I'm, totally. I'm, I'm ready to rock. Yeah. All right. So let's uh, let's talk about Urban One Twenty's email. He uh, he wrote in and said Linux is actually easier for new users than it is for the technically inclined. And I was like, what? What? He says, uh, Hi, Chris and Matt and Chase. Hi. Thanks for making awesome shows. I regularly listen to Last Linux Unplugged and TechSnap. Well, thank you, Urban120. Now go listen to Unfilter <laughs> and Coda Radio <laughs> and Cybite right. yeah. and Faux Show yeah. and BSD Now. Where have you been? Uh, he says, I actually think that Linux is easier to use for the average user when something goes wrong or when they don't know how to do something. It's simple. The answer is the terminal. If something goes wrong in Linux, you can usually solve it from the terminal. And if you're talking with someone on a phone, it is much easier to dictate what they need to type than how to navigate them through menus or options, which is very true. We were just trying to navigate you through yeah. Skype. If I could have just told you what to type in the terminal, that would have been a lot easier. Uh, he says, Urban says, this happened to me a while ago. I installed Manjaro on a friend's computer. My friend called me to ask me how, I, how to install TeamSpeak on Linux. I replied, press Control-Alt-T, type in sudo or Pac-Man dash S TeamSpeak three, and in a minute his problem was solved. Easy as that. If I want to tell him that in Windows or any other OS with a non-CLI method, it would have taken much more time. Thanks for making the awesome shows, Urban One Twenty. Do you think that? Do you think his premise there requires a Linux expert in the wings to help him out? Boy, you know, I I think in some circumstances that makes sense. But for example, installing a package certainly. Um, if you're troubleshooting something, though, uh, you know, command line's not always going to be that helpful unless you're trying to actually pull down error messages and then actually send them to a form. What I like about the terminal, bin, though, so. is that you know, uh, like say I sent Chase home with the Bonobo, <laughs> which would never happen. But let's say I sent Chase. <laughs> oh, home. Wait, wait, that was part of the deal of me being here. That today. is my baby. My thing. You have three Shared upstairs. Shared custody, boys. Shared custody. All right, we'll work something out. All right, fine. <laughs> uh, I could have turned. I could open up the SSH port. I could have Chase forward SSH on his router, or I could do it. And then if Chase ever had a problem, I could SSH into his box and pretty much fix it from the command line. For is, him. It, is that code for something? No. Uh, okay. <laughs> could be. It sounds a little dirty. Though. <laughs> it does. It sounds a little dirty. Well, I mean, so there is some. There is definitely uh, an advantage to the terminal. I guess what I like about it is that there's an option there. There's a route there. I feel like everything that the user would want to adjust in the normal course of using their computer needs to have a GUI way to do it. But if sure. you're gonna get crazy. Like anything, here's the Windows equivalent, Chase, and I think, tell me if you're comfortable with this. I say anytime you do something that is equivalent to editing the registry or a config.ini file on, on Windows, it's fair to also have to open up the terminal on Linux. Like they're equivalent there. Yeah. If you're comfortable in going to the registry, you should be comfortable going to the terminal. But the thing is, it's honestly very rare for me to have to go into right. the registry. And I think it probably is. This makes it seem like more of the norm to, to do the terminal thing. To do Does that thing. scare you? Well, no, it doesn't scare me. But why should I? Why should you have to go down to that level? What when if? What? Let me it flip it around. Be good from the start. What if? What if it has always been better to do it from the terminal, and all of the options that we've been working on to get away from that have actually been more in error, and just having a more concise, 
easy, available way to do it via the terminal through a set, through, through you know some basic commands. Nothing overly complicated. Right. Maybe that actually is the superior way to manage these types of things. You know, m- you know, maybe if there was a show that would walk me to through show you how to how do to these like things walk through commands and, yeah. and do certain things, you like know, a how-to Linux show. You know, that'd be nice to do, but. It's one of those things where the user, when they're when they're walking into this world and they're they're moving into a Linux world, they're not even going to know anything to do. I mean, they're, yeah. they they all they know is I have this inst- uh, this distro. I'm going to put it in my disk drive if they have a disk drive, and they're going to try to install it. Well, you know, I'll tell you, like I just installed that 1404 install last night, and uh, so far I've installed Chromium, uh, Skype. Um, and I, I, like Flux, like the you know the Screen Flux yeah, yeah, app, yeah. Um, but none of that. I have I haven't had to open the terminal once to do any of that. And to be fair, there are a number of GUI tweak tools that are gaining in uh, power. You yeah. know, they're yeah. actually becoming very powerful and quite good. So I would uh, like a, I think it was Windows Tweak, or I forget exactly what the Windows equivalent was, but Windows Power Tools, I think, is what it was. Very much like that, into where you can really get under the hood and play with stuff. So yeah, I'm just thinking the yeah. the, the, the basic common user. Just they're just not going to do that. I mean, I, True. I mean, right, even yeah. as an advanced user, I rarely have to go to the command window in Windows. I mean, there's certain things, with the exception, uh, the exception of the problem that I was having the other night, where I I, I sent you a, a Viber or whatever, and I was ready to destroy my computer. And I was saying I was ready to give up technology. What was going on? I don't remember. So, oh, that's right. Yeah. So what, on certain files in Windows, it was uh, when I right clicked, right clicked on certain files, Explorer would crash. Right. Because mm. there was something going on with a contextual menu. And do you remember what my response was to that? Uh, no. I was like, yeah, well, you're getting to the... So we all, you know, everybody talks about Windows like, oh, there's, it's, it's, it's modern. Oh, and, God, no. Yeah, like, yeah. It's you, like, get, you get to this yeah. point in Windows, it's like, okay, this feels like it's straight out of 1989. Oh, yeah. There's and, some aspects that feel real and old ju- and busted. And I'm jumping through old system tools to yeah. find the contextual menu that so is, that that is bugged so up. I can pull it out of yeah. there without having to reinstall my whole freaking operating yeah. system. Yeah, I mean, so it can happen in windows too I, yeah um i see what i wanted to try to float past you is the concept that i feel like almost we've been marketed to believe that the terminal is like this thing we shouldn't have to do like if you have to go to the terminal it's a failure it is a it is a it is a failure in a sense of you know providing and exposing a way to do something via a gui and and i think in reality and and I and I think if you look at what Microsoft is doing and all of Microsoft's high end tools, they're going command line, they're going PowerShell, server core, right? Yeah. Everything that yeah. you now do when you administer right. an exchange box, yeah. all of that GUI is doing is executing PowerShells underneath the hood, and yeah. you could open up PowerShell and you could actually just execute those same commands. Same with a lot of right, yeah. And Microsoft is now moving that direction, and I th- I I believe part of it was is. It was this marketing hype to get us to buy these newfangled computers, and oh my god, you no longer have to use the command line. But the reality is, in some ways, the command line is the superior way to do it. It is the most efficient way. And I've also worked with users who are completely and totally computer illiterate, who had no problem if you just gave them instructions using the command line. Well, you know, I would even go so far as to say I would agree with you if we were to have a Windows wiki and a Linux wiki and we were telling people to basically use those as your tools to solve your problem. At that point, when I can copy and paste those commands and drop them in a terminal, then I agree with you on that. Because then it's uh, then there's no room for mistyping. There's no room for mistakes. So the, Boom, done, bam. Uh, the, yeah, but uh, I, let me say this, though. Yeah. The, the danger in that, and I've seen it so many times where mm-hmm. – uh, 
people blindly follow instructions and they can cause some serious well, that's harm. That's what happened to Leo in our last show, yeah. Right, you know? <laughs> this is true. This and they is just true. blindly copy yeah. commands based on a wiki where someone can obviously, you know, if they edit it at, at the impromptu time, right. then all of a sudden... Or the you, command's old or right. whatever. I, I guess, you know, part of the thing a GUI gives the user is a sense of security and a step-by-step approach. That somebody's managing the d- details for you behind the scenes, you're not going to mess something oh, up. Oh, yeah. Right. Okay. Right, or there's protectionary measures like, oh, you forgot to type this specific thing in. And mm-hmm. when you're working in the command line, if you forget a character or you forget a dash or you forget something that you're supposed to do, sometimes it doesn't really give you full so, feedback of what you missed. I think what you can equate that to is abstraction. And I think anytime you layer on too much extra- abstraction, it's too much. I'll give you an example. My wife had to get our sunroof repaired, and we had a rental that you know they just gave us the, 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 right. while we had the work done. And they no longer had first and second and third gear. It was just L and drive. Yeah. I don't like that. That is too much abstraction. <laughs> I want to know what gear the car's in. Like, yeah. to me, that is a bit of data that is relevant to how I drive. Right. And I, have, I feel the same way with the computer. I feel like sometimes too much abstraction when I'm on the line to make something work is a bad thing. Now, I will say this. If they took away the command line from Windows from me, for example... I would be livid. I mean, I like having the the, the flexibility and the ability to go in and do certain commands and do certain things. You know, like I use a lot of the network tools from command line to this day. Releasing and renewing an IP address is a great... Great example, trace yeah. routes, yeah. You know, things sure, like sure. that. Yeah. I will always do that from the command line because yeah. it's the most efficient way right. of doing yeah. it. I don't need a GUI to do that. Well, Urban120 has joined us in the mumble room, and he had a little follow-up to his email about uh, Linux being easier for new users. Urban, what did you want to add? Um, I, I'd just like to add that um, GUI is great, and, uh, and I, I actually prefer it. But if if you need to do just some, something simple with someone that does know how, how to use uh, um, uh, how to use c- 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 computers um, it's much simpler to just say what he needs to do in a simple way in in terminal he helps you do that right you can you can explain mm-hmm. it to him over the phone is and it's you don't have to be vague like yeah click on this thing it should be in about in the left corner and then you should see this option click that I don't see that option no you need to click the square not the circle then you'll see that option like that's very hard to do over the phone yeah. and I've done it plenty of times and that's why I've probably tried just about every decent remote desk desktop solution that's out there so that way i didn't have to be stuck in that very situation so i agree uh, Urban. um yeah and um, um if you have text he can tell you what he j- just read and right. tell it back to you and you say okay just do that and it's much simple over the phone but right you, you need someone that well, and, knows how to, and, to use Linux. and on top of that you could even email them like do this you know, type this in, that kind of stuff. Uh, all right, Chase. Well, I want to pick your brain a little bit about some of the things that I know you mentioned the mini distro aspect, but I know there's more things that as a computer enthusiast, as a technology enthusiast that have kept you from switching to Linux because, I mean, you've had plenty of opportunities and oh, thought sure. about it. So yeah. we're going to talk about that here in just a second. But first, I want to thank our second sponsor this week. It is the awesome folks at DigitalOcean. Who is DigitalOcean? Well, they are a 
company that is based their entire technology stack off of Linux. And if you use the promo code Unplugged April, you're going to get two months of a DigitalOcean droplet for free. If you haven't heard about DigitalOcean before, they're a simple cloud hosting provider dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy way to spin up a cloud server. Users can create a cloud server in 55 seconds and pricing plans start only $5 per month for 512 megabytes of RAM, a 20 gigabyte SSD, one CPU, and a terabyte of transfer for $5. It's a fixed cost. You know exactly what you're going to pay. And DigitalOcean has data center locations in New York, San Francisco, Amsterdam, and Singapore. Boy, I'd love, I'd love to go to Amsterdam and just say, yeah. like, I'm going for, like, oh, yeah, I'm going for sponsor reasons. But the best part, <laughs> sponsor, I got sponsor problems. I got to go. I got to go. I got to go to Amsterdam. Uh, all, the interface over on DigitalOcean is super simple, intuitive. Power users can also replicate on a larger scale. And what I love about it is somebody who appreciates good design. And also, Chase, I think you can relate to this as somebody who... You know, I and you and I both really focus on the content of our podcast. The the every aspect of them, we're very particular about what we put out. All of the quality from top to bottom. Yeah. DigitalOcean is exactly the same way. They come up with a concept, they come up with a feature, they make sure it fits within their narrative for what their users need, and then they just refine and refine and iterate on that until it is absolutely perfect. Their control panel reflects that, their API reflects that, and the technology that DigitalOcean sits on top of reflects that. SSDs, KVM, Tier 1 bandwidth, all servers come with a gigabit a second network interfaces, and you get that terabyte just fixed right there. They run it all on top of amazing hardware and all backed by that simple control panel. Private networking is also available. Global image transfers. There's so many great options. So go over to digitalocean.com and use the promo code UNPLUGGEDAPRIL. That'll give you a $10 credit. So you can grab that $5 a month rig and try it out for two months. There is a Google Plus community. There's actually a couple of Google Plus community threads going right now on the Jupiter Colony Google Plus community about what folks are using their uh, their DigitalOcean droplets for. Minecraft servers. Yep. Oh. These are a crazy great way to run Minecraft servers at an incredible value with amazing performance. You could go from $300 a month with your Minecraft server to $5 to $10 a month. You got a production website, maybe the back-end infrastructure for an app you're working on. Maybe you just need something to sync your contacts, your BitTorrent sync files, and I don't know, maybe your Quasal IRC connector. Throw it up on a DigitalOcean droplet, and it'll cost you $5 per month. And if you use the promo code UNPLUGGEDAPRIL, you'll get a $10 credit. DigitalOcean.com, Unplugged April, and a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring Linux Unplugged. You guys are awesome, and you guys are, they're hiring too, so if you guys need some, if you guys are looking for work out there, go over to DigitalOcean.com, click that we're hiring, they got lots of gigs available, they're blowing up right now. It is awesome to watch this company go, and it is so cool, it is so amazing that Linux is powering this kind of growth in the industry, and it's exactly why some of the stuff we cover on the show has big Big long-term ramifications for not just us, but the industry at a whole. DigitalOcean.com and use the promo code Unplugged April. Loving my droplet. Loving it. Okay, Chase. Yes. So, yeah. let's get past the distros, because I feel like that's a bit of a cop-out, because you, you'd know you were going to go Ubuntu if you are going to do it. N- not necessarily, no. I really? Mean, yeah, really. And the, the reason is simple. What if there's something better? I mean, how do yeah. I know, right? Well, there is. <laughs> uh, see? Oh, oh no! See? Oh, see? Get in the mumble room so they can yell at me. Yeah, so, I mean, that, that's just one thing, right? And then, or, or let's say I went with Ubuntu for a minute. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's different versions, right? You know, so when you go and download, it's like, which one do I download? Different desktops um, and different Right, stuff, yeah. right. I mean, there's, there's multiple options. So you know too much. 
in a way. You know enough to be paralyzed by choice, right. but not enough to make that choice. Right. And then there's the, then there's the whole other areas of okay, what are good resources for me to go for support? For example, all right, some some people may yell, all right, uh, go to the Reddit, go go to Reddit. Well, but what if I ask you the same thing about Windows? Well, the majority of my friends know Windows, so I just go to them, right? Ah, yes, right. You know, and part of part of the thing is, and maybe this is a stereotype, and maybe I'm wrong on this, but. <laughs> As a as a as a Windows user, maybe making my way into the Linux world and saying, "Hey, I'm I'm wanting to step my foot in the water. I wanna I wanna learn how to swim." I feel I get two different responses: either "Ew, you're a Windows guy. I hate you," or then you get five or six, seven or eight different suggestions on what you should be doing. Ah, uh, yes, we've run yeah. into that too. We've talked about that. So you get you're so the community can be a bit of a barrier. Like you feel like you go down a path, and then you get yelled at for going down that path. Right, and then when you do go down that path, then you have eight different options, and if you don't pick the right one, you don't open the right door, then you're going to get abused for it. Hmm. And we've talked about this too. We've wondered if that's a problem, and I I I wonder too, like. If that's not just the internet, like if you got a Mac and then you got like one text editor, wouldn't then a bunch of advocates of another but text see, editor see, jump on you? But that's that's a little bit different than an operating system choice, I feel, hmm. because everybody has their preferences for apps, but now you're, you're breaking it down to an OS level. Everybody has their preference for OS. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen it in, in the JB community, you know, people... Love Ubuntu, or they like BSD, or, they, or Arch, or Arch, you know, or OpenSUSE. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right, so there's so many different uh, options. Yeah, and so what do I go with? What is, what would be the best for me? And then someone may go, well, what programs do you use, or whatever? And, mm-hmm. and then it's like, is there a simple resource to say, all right, well, I like using Final Cut. Okay, it works great for me on uh, on Mac. Some people have said, well. You know, you could use Premiere on Windows. And I'm like, yeah, it's true, but I want something that is solid and works great, and I don't have to worry about doing weird conversions and stuff. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, and then another thing for me is I'm also a gamer. Mm-hmm. You know, I know, I know Steam is on Linux, and that's great. Uh, but, like, a big game that I play right now, you know it. Battlefield. That's Origin, right? Yeah. Do they – Linux? Nope. 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 So I'd have to do some sort of emulation, right? Yeah, or if that works, or or, or uh, in some cases, wine maybe kind yeah. of sort of not really, right. or maybe you know dual boot. Yeah, yeah. What about a dual yeah. boot? What is that? How does what is the so what does a dual boot situation look like for you? Does that seem crazy to you? Well, like does it seem pointless in a way? I I the only dual booting I do is on on Mac. You know, I do boot camp, and the only time I do that is when I if I'm going to do any type of gaming streaming. So it'd be like kind of like that. So you, if you have a Mac, you dual boot between only be a PC. You dual between Windows and Linux. Right. I just don't like dual booting that often. I just like turning it on and just going in. You know. So gaming is definitely a big barrier. I mean, that, yeah. and, and thankfully that's a situation that is rapidly improving. Online. It is. No, I and I agree with that. But but then also uh, is SLI supported in Linux? See, I, I don't. Don't know if that is or not. Uh, like, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. an Nvidia guy, so I don't. You know use if... SLI still? <laughs> I don't mean to be judgy. No, I'm no, not I, I, have, I have I have uh, Nvidia 580 uh, SLI. Oh, okay, graphic okay. Cards. So you got 580s. You're trying to yeah. you're trying to squeak a little life out of. I well, well, they they are old. Yeah. Uh, they're they're a couple. They're a couple. <laughs> well, and Nvidia old. support in Linux is actually very friendly. Actually, yeah. a mm. nice little thing. They've got the great GUI. That's actually what I use. It's what I prefer yeah. to use. It's actually pretty good. Yeah, I so, agree. Potentially, it, I could definitely see how certain games. You know, any applic anytime yeah. you get application specific. Like AutoCAD or Premiere, I yeah, can see I'm not. I'm yeah. not worried on, on obviously on the website of things, but then then you start going into other areas, like for example, the simplicity of say, if you call it simplicity, of setting up a printer. 
you know, okay. you I would actually argue that's easier under Linux. Well, well that, see, actually, I would, I, would, I would know that. I mean, yeah. I, I think distro specific. Uh, on some distros, it's stupid. It's actually easy, easy, way easier than on Windows. On and on other distros, it's it's ridiculously stupid hard. Yeah. So it really depends. It, it, on, it depends, depends on the distro. Yeah. Like if you had yeah. a brand new Arch install, like, it'd take like, you forever. Like if I started a poll right now on the last subreddit, yeah. I bet you a hundred dollars that I'm going to get so yeah. many fragments of <laughs> yeah. things. Yep. Chase, yep. this is your first. Uh, right. Yeah, you yeah. need to use this. This right. this is yep. the best to use. This right. is what you should use. Yeah, I yeah. think that's a big problem. I think too. Uh, yeah, there, there's always those specific things. I look at it like this. If if I, you could do 80% of your computing under one operating system that... So I, I guess what I come back to is, for me, what, what got me onto Linux was the technological curiosity of it. Like, it fascinated right. me from a standpoint that there was an operating system not necessarily controlled by any single company that right. was created by a bunch of individuals that have come together to work on something. Uh, and I, I like that from a standpoint of... Um, I'm not necessarily a fan of where either large computer manu- uh, OS manufacturer, commercial OS manufacturer is going right now. I don't know if you've seen the mock-ups for OS 10.10. Have you seen them? No. They look like iOS 7, and it looks horrible. It looks <laughs> really, really bad. And I definitely don't like the new Windows Start menu. I don't like any of the direction Windows is going No, I don't either. like it either. Like, for example, I'm, I'm staying on Windows 7, and I'm staying on 10.8.5 right. on OS X. So let's go, let's go four years down the road. You, you see how there could be some. There's a problem you run into here, where both these now 10.8 and 10 and OS Windows 7 are getting pretty old, pretty long in the tooth. Yeah, Ubuntu, you're using it right now. Yeah. It looks pretty good. It looks pretty modern, right? It's, you got Chrome. It's just one of those things where there's there's certain things that. You know, gaming is a big one for me, right? Mm-hmm. It's huge mm-hmm. for me, and I know mm-hmm. there's Steam, and I and I and I know it's getting better. I mean, you were just telling me if about gaming, the green lighting. If, if your favorite games were on Linux, let's just t- like we're talking yeah. four or five years go. down the road. If yeah. your favorite games are on Linux, so it's a whole new generation, maybe one or two generation of games yep. have come out now. Yeah. They've all shipped with Linux versions, the ones you want to play. Yeah, maybe not all games, but the ones you want to play have. Yeah. Let's say that's removed. Okay. What now is the barrier? What is the problem from switching? The other things that I use, for example, uh, you know, you know me. I do a lot of game streaming. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, uh, multimedia production. So, stuff. so Wirecast, for example, only yeah. Mac and PC. Yeah. yeah. Uh, open mm-hmm. broadcaster software, uh, XSplit, some of these other programs. Right. PC only. Yeah. Um, so there, I haven't seen a Linux equivalent to that. But you don't need that on every computer. Yeah. No, no, and but, I, uh, yeah, and that's true. I, I worked with Webcam Studio, which was supposed to be an equivalent for it for Linux, but didn't quite work out as well as we'd hoped. Right. So. I mean, I'm yeah, not. So that's I, fair. I mean, for example, you know, I think you know, for a uh, a system that like a, a Skype machine, you know, for my production, mm-hmm. or for example, a secondary box where you know I I'm not doing main production stuff. I or a, an older laptop that you know I haven't used in a while. Those are some apl- those are some situations where I could see myself doing, you know, and, and installing something like this. You know, this this is it's very snappy to me. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm not doing anything hardcore with it, but it, but it works for me. Um, the other thing too, you know, some of my experiences in the past, you know, where the the distribution didn't work with everything on my laptop yeah. perfectly, yeah. so I have to jump through. Now I understand yeah. people are going to say, "Well, you could you have to do that with Windows." Yeah, but at least with Windows, it feels like I can install a driver easily. Is, right. Has that changed? Yeah, a lot of that's improved over the years. Like for example, yeah. I installed the NVIDIA driver. I go to one screen, 
and I say, you know, I choose which driver I want, and it just goes and installs it. For the most part now in Linux, it either works out of the box or it doesn't work. Right. Because unlike right. Windows, all of the drivers are included at the kernel level in Linux. So when you install a distribution, it pretty much supports everything out of the box. Now, I'll say this, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like with Linux, and this is the one of the p- parts that really excite me, is... I can really take full advantage of my system resources depending on what I'm doing. Sure. I always always <laughs> feel that with Windows and even with Mac that there's some bloated overhead or there's something happening that's hindering my full potential of using my system. And with Linux, I feel I get this impression that it unlocks something and like it gives yeah. me more power. So behind what it. you're so one of the things that's interesting and it's kind of hard to translate. You know, uh, you can't put it on the side of a box, but on on Windows and on on Mac, let's just this is my a horse that I beat all the time on right. the show. But the file systems, yeah, on both of those operating systems are very old now. Yeah, but the thing is, is there's no internal. If you look, think about the politics of a company that has to ship a product. It doesn't do them any good yeah. to make something that's really low level and and something the users never see. It doesn't do them much good to spend a lot of time and money on that. Yeah. It's not. It's not a sexy feature they can put a bullet point on a box, right? Yeah, that's true. But open source, everything's out there in the open. And when something sucks, everyone in the entire world can see it. And there's a, there's a peer pressure about keeping your components that you're responsible for up to date and modern. And so what ends up happening in Linux is a lot of the little things, you know, how an application talks to the file system, right? All these little things that Windows and Mac and Apple, they just can't really care about because they can't advertise it as something they've spent time on. But in Linux, there's this open pressure to keep all of that lower level stuff really tight. Not only that, not only because they're constantly pushing on ARM devices and they're trying to just keep really competitive in that space, but also because so many people can see the flaws that it becomes incumbent upon the person responsible for those flaws to fix them because otherwise their dick's hanging out in the open and everybody can see that they got a small dick. Yeah, you know, and the other things that kind of concern me too, it, not so much, but you know, obviously continuation of support. I mean, with so many fragments and so many different distributions of Linux out there, you know, something might get discontinued or something might change in the very next version. You know, it seems like to me there's a lot of turnover and a yeah. lot of a lot of change. I mean, a lot of change yeah. that happens. I mean, even, even from one month to the next. So that distro will be supported for five years, the one you're on right okay. there, which is pretty good. Yeah. But there are distributions like the one that I primarily use where every day it's called a rolling release, where there's new right. stuff that's just integrated continuously. Now, the flip side is there's never a big version. I, there's never a Windows 7 and a Windows 8. There's never a big jump. It's every day something is updated. It's just continuing roll. And here's one other thing. For example, uh, you know me. I have an HTC One. Yep. It's an Android device, and uh, one of the first things I did was root it. And then, you know, I've been, I've been installing my own... Cu- you Linux hacker. I've been installing, you know, all these custom <laughs> ROMs and that sort of thing, right? Yeah. So, for example, I know Linux is very heavily customizable, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things that kind of I like about Windows and I like about Mac is, while I know that you can do some customizations, for the most part, you know, the base level is always the same. Mm-hmm. I feel like I could get myself in a world of trouble. <laughs> in some, honestly, because yeah. I, and then and then what? Uh, so I know that uh, sounds like. I mean, some of these things sound a little bit like there's been there's been a narrative built up around Linux because there are some desktop environments where it could be like this custom thing, like you know very unique to Chase Nunes, and nobody else has a desktop like Chase Nunes. Sure. But right now, you are using something called Unity, which is 
you can modify it, but pretty much what you see right now is what you get. Uh, if you change the background, the sidebar will change color. There's your customization. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, yeah. you can change the background, the side, and that's pretty much it. Now, yeah. you can install apps to tweak it more. But then there's desktops, and I'm not hating on KDE, but I'm just saying there's desktops like KDE where every pixel on the screen is pretty much you've customized it yourself, and you've, you can choose where it's laid out. Uh, but if you were to go with the most common Linux entry point, which is Ubuntu, and it would be probably their LTS, you would have this experience. Very, very, you know, Mac OS ten like in its customized options with probably a little bit more options. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, it's not going to get you in a world of hurt. But I am, I'm, I, what I'm trying to get to the root of is how to kind of push through some of these, because some of these misconceptions were right a few years ago, and I think they really took root, and they've sort of just continued to to exist when 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 the folks that are working on these distributions have really spent a lot of time to fix yeah. some of this stuff yeah. and make it better and address some of those concerns but that but that message isn't out there no and you know it obviously goes back to you know how leo on his nationally syndicated radio show pushed the narrative about linux and <laughs> you know it put it pushed the the stare and you know who you are if you're somebody who doesn't yeah. want to mess with the, i just want to surf the just want to buy something on amazon send an email to my kids Look at some websites. If you if, you, if that's you, you don't want to mess with it. Probably not a good choice. You know, and, and, and oh, you know, <laughs> and here's the thing, right? You know, you know me, Chris. You know, I'm not I'm not running Linux. You know, I'm not I'm I don't have a Linux laptop. But hearing that freaking cringes me as a fan of of software, as a fan of furthering technology, I... and it and it frustrates me because when I'm using <laughs> Linux right now and I'm using Ubuntu. Leo jumped through advanced things that he didn't have to do, and then he right. sc- then he screwed himself up. And then what does he do when he screws himself up? Well, so he doesn't look bad himself. He just he deflects, right? And, and, yeah. he, and he bad mouths. <laughs> it. Yeah, it's not my fault. Yeah, not right. No, I didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, I mean, seeing something like this and, and messing around with this, this is this is solid. This is very very nice. And I know this is beta. And this is very very nice. I mean the the app the app store if you call it the app store where you can just software type it, center yeah. software center you know these are the kind of things that you know I would love to be able to you know and I might do it where I will say hey dad I'm gonna throw Ubuntu uh is that okay and, and yeah I and, and I throw it on there. I guess too I um what I was kind of curious too if. If you looked at it so much, when you looked at it, do you look at, is it really, is it, I guess what I'm trying to get past, is it, are you really afraid of what the community is going to say? Is that really a barrier? It, no, it honestly is. Part of it is. Because that seems like that's on us. And, and I, that's why I feel really bad about that. Part of it is, but but then again, you got to realize something. I understand that for years that the community has been bashed by Windows users, right? Yeah, they've been bashed by OSX users. They've been bashed. they're in battle, Chase, and they're also bashed within their own communities. <laughs> right. Honestly, they're in right. bashed within yeah. their own communities. So you have like internal factions, right? Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah. So you have all these different things. You know, you know, what if there was a federation of Linux users called the Linux Federation, where you have <laughs> you have all well, these different factions, where it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, you are still using Linux. Well, let me help you out with that. Essentially, we're the Maquis, and you know, and, and I mean that—that's the best description out there. We are the Maquis. We literally, in every sense of the word, go into it with a very uh, Maquis mindset. Um, if we can't make it work, we throw a—you know—we take a little ship and throw a bomb on it. No, I mean it's, it's very Maquis-like. Um, I, I think most of the challenges you're probably facing too are task-centered. How do I accomplish X? How do I accomplish Y? Can I accomplish Y and X in the same? 
level of quality that I accomplished it with the other operating system. Right. And, and this is why I'm, I'm super excited to be doing the How To Linux show. Yeah. Uh, just because of the fact, I mean, even doing the show today and, and looking at the chat room, I've had literally probably five different suggestions of what Linux yeah. distro I should start yeah. with. Yeah. Oh. And, and there I, is no answer. <laughs> right. And that's the thing, right? You know, that, that inherently is one of the, the core problems mm-hmm. it is where you have a new user or an experienced mm-hmm. technical user like I am. And all right, what should I be going into? What what would be the easiest transitional thing for me? Well, I know Riley wanted to make a point about the community. Go ahead, Riley. Yeah, so I'd say like the community does not matter. Like whatever you like, you need to go with. If you're a u- new user, don't listen to the community at all. <laughs> what yeah, I suggest is going on Distro Watch, pick out a couple of this shows. You think sound cool? If you want to use Zorn, go for it. But look at those screenshots of it, and look at maybe some user reviews. And go from there. Now, Brett yeah. Romney. Brett Romney wanted to bring up the point that uh, Brett Mitt Romney said all this Ubuntu bashing is bad for new switchers. Go ahead, Mr. Romney. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, first of all, it's our team. That's fine. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> and uh, well, I believe that uh, a lot of people are misinformed by the other people. That I I truly believe Ubuntu is one of the best options for newer users. The constant bashing makes them. I don't know, more hesitant to use it, I, I kind of believe. Well, especially, yeah, the, especially the unnecessary Unity bashing coming from, yes, let's, exactly. let's be honest, a lot especially of uh, Linux leaks. I think you guys give yourselves too much credit. I don't think, I don't, Chase, have you heard a lot of Ubuntu bashing? Has this been a thing? I'm, I don't think this makes it outside our circle. No, and it doesn't. It doesn't. But when, when for example, you know, some people will talk to other like-minded individuals and i'll say all right i'm thinking about moving to linux what do you think i should move to and then you go to your friends and they'll give you some feedback and i consider the community my group of friends here and and, and, in that scenario you get that person's opinion right right? and they'll say oh well ubuntu sucks i mean that's what leo got leo went into his chat room and his chat room immediately said oh my god leo you have to uninstall unity right now and it it began it sent him down a path of borking his system right and here's Mm -hmm. the thing right if I started, you know, if I installed this and I went to you or if I went to Matt or I went to any other member of the JV community and say, all right, I just installed this. What should I do next? I would probably get three or four different answers. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's one of those things where at least like I know in the Windows world, all right, I install Windows. First thing you got to do, install antivirus. You know, there's a certain checklist, right? <laughs> I just raise my blood pressure. Just saying I know. No, first thing I do, install XP. And then... <laughs> Go ahead, you, get fi- you get five different answers to which antivirus to install. And if you asked uh, an expert uh, or your your local expert how uh, you know, to help you with some problem you have with Windows, you'd almost certainly get a different answer than someone else. The, when, Linux is not unique in having multiple ways to skin a cat. Right, antivirus I, has that. Yeah, the antivirus thing is a good point. Like you'll see, you'll hear a lot mm-hmm. of debates about which antivirus scanner is the best one. Do and I need, it's gotten worse too. Like, do I need yeah. one it's, for Linux, for example? Uh, but no. The thing no. is, it's kind of like no. that for desktops on Linux too. Like it's the same thing with desktops. Like, oh man, you can't use Unity. You got to use uh, XFCE or you got to use Cinnamon. Yeah. Let's like, be honest. You got to use GNOME. Come on, let's be serious. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh god. So I, I can give you a recipe that's going to get you started, really, see, because it's how I actually personally made the switch. Because I'm I've not used Linux as long as Chris, for example. I started on a laptop. I ran. 
Windows for a long time on my main desktop because I wanted to game. I wanted to do my stuff. I wanted to do what I needed to do. And I found that to be a really healthy compromise because I was free to not have to dual boot. I was also free and not feeling obligated to use it. But at the same time, when I wanted to use my laptop, I was, in a sense, forcing myself to use it. And I found that to be a really dynamic yeah. way of doing it. Yeah, that actually is a great way. Is like you say, okay, yeah. no, I have to be able to solve it under here. And I wonder, too, right. like, Chase, would you feel better? So this is this this Bonobo here yeah. is a System76 machine, yeah. and they're a sponsor of the Linux Action Show. Yeah. And this... This came preloaded with Ubuntu, which looks a lot like what you see now. Yeah. Uh, if you were buying a end-to-end product solution, like you're buying a machine mm-hmm. that has an OS loaded on it from a vendor, mm-hmm. maybe they even offer you a 1-800 number to call if you get stuck. Mm-hmm. Does that solve some of these problems? Like, does it solve like if if you can trust if you trust the the brand of that vendor to pick the right choices? Does that kind of solve the which direction do I go first problem? Is that the better approach? Well, I guess it depends on what I'm starting off with. You know, if if I if I'm let's you say know, you're going to buy a new uh, see, laptop. See, here's the thing. Like, you know, I'm I'm a big do myselfer. You know, yeah, I like yeah. to do mm-hmm. my own thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I like to build. But but let's say that I was starting. You know, I just I didn't want to worry about it. I would probably do like that sort of thing, a system set of six. But I also remember Dell doing Linux laptops yeah. for a while. I don't yeah. know if they still do. I think do. they do. I'm not sure. I can't really. I know that they, they did. Uh, do they still have Sputnik. a Sputnik? Yeah, yeah they're, they're, they're all over the map on it. I, I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, don't they have the uh, XPS 13 developer edition? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the Sputnik. Sputnik. That's the Sputnik. Uh, oh, but, oh, sorry. But, you know, I will say this. You know, when I when I was first starting off Windows a long, 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 long time ago, <laughs> and, you know, when I was first starting out and I... Uh, I've, I, I called at least one time, just one time in my whole life I can remember calling Windows support for some issue. They make you feel like a dumbass. They make you feel so terrible. Really? It just, it, it felt like, you know, like you are so stupid. Let me hold your hand and walk through the baby steps, you know. Now, I don't know what System76 support is like, and, you know, I'm just, I'm not afraid of anything. It's just that it would be not, it, that would be simple to have a, you know, a real simple, easy, where I just have the laptop, it's ready to go. Some of the harder, ch- some of the more right. nebulous choices are made for you. Right. Well, and they do the testing for, for you, too, you know, so that you don't have to worry about future, future-proofing your laptop. But most importantly, in my experience with their support, like back in 2008 when I got burned by Dell and ended up going to these guys, um, I found that even on all these years later on laptops I don't even you know have support for anymore I can still go to their their actual forum filled with the you know folks from that community as well as the tech support guys and they'll still support me without making me feel like an idiot that's nice too um, see that's, yeah, that's I not really even, like that's that. not even an ad that's that's just legit endorsement yeah. Yeah. and I think True. that's so I think that answers part of the problem there but yeah. I, I think when yeah. I and that's why I have felt like because sometimes techie guys will and gals will want to research this stuff. Like yep. it's fun sure. to dig into it, and that's why I've thought the, the the best switchers for Linux for the next couple of years are people like yourself who are mm-hmm. capable of using Google, right? C- yeah. Capable of understanding that there's some compromises that have to be made or some adjustments that have to be made on how you do something. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe different, like, and you're you're familiar with, like, you understand that sometimes the Mac does something one way and Windows does something the other way. Yeah. So the concept that you might have to adjust your workflow behavior for an operating system is not foreign to you. So you're a good candidate in that regard. You're a good candidate in the regard that you know how to use th- resources like chat rooms and Reddit and forums. Yeah. So I've always thought, like, if we could focus not so much on this mythical new user who's never <laughs> used a computer for and is going to magically pick a <laughs> unicorn PC running Linux, I thought right. it would make more sense to focus 
focus on a person like yourself who's fully aware of how to do this right. and it could even capably do it themselves. And I've always wondered, what could we clear out of the way? And the thing that is kind of leaving me a little bummed as we wrap up is like kind of sounds like in some ways the, some of the best aspects of Linux, like you've, you've characterized it as too, like you didn't know which direction to go. And I look at it as a lot of a lot of market dynamics at play, picking the best things. All this choice also is, you can look at this as lots of choice. And so I love like choice. Android devices, I love right? choice, yeah. And, and so that's but like... But what's the flagship, right? I mean, we see it in Android devices all the time where, all right, is it the Galaxy Note? Is it the HTC One? Well, I'm shocked that Ubuntu it- hasn't sort of stood out Right. From the outside to you, I'm, I actually I assumed looking out from the outside that you would have always seen Ubuntu as that flagship standing out. I'm not saying it is one way or the other, but I always but I just is, kind of assumed that it, was is, the perception. Is it the fla- is it is it quote unquote the flagship because there's more support behind it or there's more money behind it or whatever? It, it doesn't necessarily make it best. Is if it, there's more money? <clears> so behind you would it. want the best technical solution. I would want the best solution that takes advantage of my system hardware and that has support for the programs that I want to use. What if the best like was harder than the other option? I guess what what like is, if, what's are you the saying, definition of harder is? Like just a little more involved in getting set up. Right. Like, are you saying if you're going to switch, you'd rather go all in? Like, you're all cards in? Like, you're going to? I I would want something that is inherently me, right? You know, if if <laughs> I have if I have the choice, I would want you know. Uh, the programs, obviously, that I'm going to use, I, I would want a, a nice, beautiful interface. You know, I know some people like to live in command line world I, or terminal. Right. You know, I, I don't. You know, I like a, a beautiful, nice interface and, and something that is very easy for me to use but has those advanced features for me to yeah. jump into when I need to. But you want something that also feels like it's yours? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's one of those things where, you know... I. And the and the other things too is you know obviously you know if I have a a piece of hardware I know that all my things at home like my laptop old laptop at home I know will run X XP sorry oh uh, uh, you know Windows Windows on there just fine yeah. you know but if right. I if I picked a Linux distro I what if I what if it doesn't plug into all the pieces of just hardware try a live city and find out right but the, you can yeah, uh, and I know. here's another thing here's another thing the beauty about linux is you can always distro hop i distro hop like a jackrabbit all over the place <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah and a lot Different of us ones. do yeah and, and, that's the, and that's the thing especially if you make a separate home directory which i'm <clears> sure somebody can show you how to do then you could go ahead and just hit, go to wherever distro you want exactly because because people usually don't start using Linux because of their own decisions, but they usually have somebody to show them the way. Right, and then that's and that's where you know I'm obviously very excited about how to Linux and, and that show mm-hmm. is where mm-hmm. it, it's not just it's not just you know picking a, a Linux distribution you know for me it's 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 about all the intangibles and, and it's giving all, real answers to these right. questions. I mean and that's it, what I want to try to figure out is I want to try yeah. to solve. These real these are real questions. Yeah, they and are real problems. Totally. And how do we solve them for you? Right. I'm, I'm going to put a bet on Chase being a KDE guy. I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> I could see I, it happening. I mean, it's it's one of those it's one of those things where it's also the, the the beauty, I guess, I would say of Windows and the beauty of Mac is you know what it's just, it works. You know, I don't have to do much to keep it going. I don't have to. You know, tweak every other day, or you know, negative in the freedom dimension. (laughs) (laughs) But but at the same time, you know, I know installing a program is 
pretty simple, you know. Like for example, when I was looking at uh, uh, chat programs, now I knew there was that that what was it the app? X, oh, the app. software center. There was software center, yeah. but before that, I went to Google. I typed in XChat. I went to XChat.org or whatever. Right. And I was like, which... you got results for Fedora, right? And I was like, all right, so which one do I install? Right. I'm like, no, no. But see, that's the thing. Yeah. That's one of the issues, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like Wait, when you. I think there's an intimidation factor here that there's too much choice that it actually scares but you that's away. Well, it's, that's the good thing is there's, there's intimidation factors preventing them from even making an initial yeah. choice. But it's not just intimidation why... factor. There's confusion because, for example, uh, I went to go grab the Linux version of Scott, uh, of XChat. XChat, yeah. But that yeah. Linux version is not the same as another Linux version, right? Right. That's where there's Good confusion. Point. Yeah. And because I'm Messy. like, wait, wait, Linux. I thought Linux is Linux. No. You see, it's it's different in the sense Linux is a general purpose technology platform. Think of it that way. Mm. There's a core kernel like that Android runs on. Right. But then there's solutions built on top of that. A lot of them are very, 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 very similar. Right. Like they use a lot of the same tools and stuff, but they're each their own implementation of that general purpose platform. It's... Think of it as a lower level thing. And I've almost. learned about it, uh, you know, uh, you know, firsthand in trying to set up that uh, the the airtime server. airtime server. You know, there's Ubuntu and there's yeah. uh, there's all these different uh, CentOS, CentOS, and Gentoo mm-hmm. or something. Like yeah, that. yeah. So you mm-hmm. have all these different things, and you know that's where I just that's where I need to learn because yeah. you know it gets yeah. so freaking confusing and obviously confuse, right. confusion be- becomes imi- uh, uh, intimidation. Intimidation. In yeah. Go ahead, sure. Poppy. Yeah. I think uh, Chase needs to break out of his comfort zone. He seems to be quite entrenched in that comfort zone and happy that the GUI gives him a sense of uh, security, he said earlier on. Whereas, you know, a GUI on Windows, you could right-click a SQL database and drop it, and and you would ruin everyone's day within your company. The GUI, the GUI doesn't give you that, that sense of security that you think it does. I think if you embrace the choice that you have with Linux and the options that the lack of lock-in almost in a round, sense. Yeah, it's 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 open. It's without wishing to sound too much like a hippie, you know, you you, <laughs> you, can, <laughs> you can embrace that openness. Yeah. But it's much harder to get support in the terminal than it is within a GUI, because then you know that no, you can at least connect. No, no, I mean, links. No, no, not at all. Not, not that you can copy and paste guys. what you're experiencing. Not necessarily. Yeah, yeah look at uh, how Leo here. did that. That worked really well for him. Oh, that oh. worked great. <laughs> so, so let me break it down for you like this. If I was to basically break this down into something that's just free of geek speak, essentially Linux is like a Ford. And then you've got your model, which is essentially your, uh, you know, your, yeah. your, your desktop, your desktop environment, what, whatnot. And then if you want to get into deeper things, you can then look at the trim, yeah. um, you know. And it, it basically comes down to that sort of thing. But I think when it comes to anything with Linux, you basically look at a base of what you, you got your Ubuntu's and their variants. There's a, you know, a cousins and everything like that, or you've got your Arch and its variants and these types of things. You kind of settle on the the base that feels good. Okay, I want compatibility. I want it to work with my printers. I want it to just get the job done. I want to make sure gaming's being paid attention to. Yeah. And then you look at the variants surrounding that globe and then try those various variants, try different desktop environments. And then I think it becomes a little less uh, annoying, in my opinion, because I, then you have something from which to try I mean, from, I what guess. what you're really saying is be open to experimentation. Try uh, it within, 
Well, but within a smaller circle. Instead of this you shotgun know, approach to try everything under the sun, which is just – it is intimidating. Right, try, yes. find, find a base you like and start within that circle of influence Oh, I see. First. So, so how, Start how, with an Ubuntu base. But how, do you, but how does he even know what base to start with? I think that's part well, of the problem. That's experimenting with – and I agree. I agree with Matt. I think this is a this is very much a, an analogy based show. And if I'm uh, he's going to go down the car route, I'll go down the beer route. Uh, I think okay. if different Linux distros are like different beers. You start off with the basic yeah. ingredients of you know hops, barley, water, yeast, and then you build upon that. And you, you but you have to try them all in order to figure out what the best one is over the supermarket brand beer. That's interesting, but, I li- and that um, makes me beer thirsty but, too. But no, <laughs> and you might be, maybe you're into dark beers, maybe you're into light beers. If you know you're more into light beers, you're going to stick in that realm of influence. I think right. and, exactly. And this See, is Matt yeah. gets it. This is where, <laughs> honestly, as a, as a technology fan and as a community fan, you know, I, I'm I'm very very excited. Yeah. About getting yeah. into this area, and, and I'm not afraid. Uh, first off, uh, when I was given the example of GUIs, I was given it from a general user's perspective, sure, not necessarily sure. my perspective. No, I want yours though. Yeah. But, I mean, like, for example, I don't mind either. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. depending on the application of, yeah. that I'm working with. You know, for example, I'm going to work in command line when I'm doing network administration. Sure. You know, it's, just, yeah. it's more yeah. comfortable for right, me. Right, right. Uh, but, but, it, but, but it's one of those things where, you know, I'm very, very excited about. Uh, and obviously, you know, being able to work that into the How To Linux show is going to be great uh, totally. because everybody's going to be able to learn through me as this happens. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. But also, I'm hoping to be that that user, that person that helps bridge the gap between for other people that are watching, trying for, to figure this stuff out, right, and not yeah. being afraid, yeah, and you know, jumping in there with with two feet. You know, it's like learning how to swim. You know, I'm not afraid. I, you know, I'm not afraid of the water. I'm not going to drown because I know I have people there that, that are going to hold me up. And and not let me sink to the bottom, and that's that's where you know I'm very. We will go about. forth and impart that wisdom. And at Heaven's Revenge, I think uh, you wanted to mention something, didn't you? Yes, lots of people are scared of the differences, or at least the amount of choice that you're given. There is one crucial area in which every distro, or almost every distro, has, which is similar, and it's extremely important to understand because in Windows. You look outside of the operating system to bring pieces into it. As in, you go to Google, download packages as a separate package, and install it. The most important thing for a new user to know is that every every distro has its own repository in which you're supposed to get software from. Make them look at the repo first... Then they'll find every answer, almost every answer yeah. that they want. Instead yeah, of going out to the mm-hmm. internet and Google, instead... That's a great point. That and that's the biggest shift that I think Chase will. You know, you'll. So one of the things, Chase, I'll just let you know. One of the one of the mistakes you made is that Linux distributions come with a package management system. So instead of having to go out to the web and just download some installer for some website, most of the time the software you want, the system is already aware of in repositories. You just have to issue the command either through a GUI or through the command line to go grab that piece of software. So for example, like on my machine here, I would do pacman-s Skype. Enter. And then it would go out and download Skype for me and install it. I wouldn't have to go to Skype.com and download it because this is part of the – it's but a huge difference. But that's kind of the, the you know, the, the entrenched learning experience yes. of yeah. knowing how to do certain things. It's yes. like that's what I've been used to to do for years. Yep, yep. You know. right. Yes, my friend, exactly. that is a journey you are now beginning. I know. So uh, we will uh, be – uh, wait for that. 
We'll be keeping you up to date, everybody, on future editions of How To Linux. Matt, on Sunday, I'm not going to tell you what the plan is because we got two possibilities, and they're both kind of crazy. <laughs> oh, um, boy. One of them's One of them, speaking of package managers, is waiting on some software, but uh, we'll talk about that. Ah. But either way, Matt, I'm going to see you on Sunday, okay? Sounds good. See you then. Now, don't forget, everyone, we do Linux Unplugged live on Tuesdays. Join us over at, just go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar, actually, to get it in your local time, but we do it at 2 p.m. Pacific, and you can hang out in our chat room over at jblive.tv or join our virtual lug. We have a mumble room over there. Okay, everyone. Well, if we don't see you on Sunday, I want to be sure we see you right back here on Tuesday because Linux Unplugged comes out every single Tuesday. Tuesday.